0: Everybody, this is Hater Radio. My name is Chris McLean. I am the host of Hater Radio, a college football podcast, which is now live streaming here on Facebook Live. Um, I'm here with my co-host Ian Gibson on the phone. Ian, how are you, sir?
1: I'm doing good. Excited for the college uh, football playoff this uh, coming week, uh, next week.
0: Yeah, so we actually did this show already, which my error, you know, user error on this, but uh, we we did it, but I didn't hit the live button, so we weren't able to actually um, broadcast it. We did it uh, in air, and you know, I feel bad because I wasted Ian's time, and I know how late it is on the East Coast right now. Um, but Ian is a good sport, and he's doing it again, so. What we're going to do here in this episode is uh, we're going to talk about a little bit about the recruiting, about a little bit about the the Gator uh, Bowl game in Las Vegas that I actually was able to attend. um, And specifically about the college football playoff and the two matchups coming up uh, next week. Uh, So... First, let's talk about recruiting. Ian, uh, a very good day for Florida. USF had a really good day as well. Um, anything that stands out from you from recruiting that was newsworthy? Um, at least, I, I, again, yeah, it's the early signing day period, so it's uh, a not easiest thing to judge. Uh, you know, the whole class when it's this early in the. Process, uh, but it, so far it is looking uh, much better than previous years for Florida. Um, uh, obviously, with um, when uh, one was uh, in, and I
1: wasn't as much of a priority uh, to uh, recruit at an elite level. Um, but now, you know, you're, you're seeing the commitments. Uh, yeah, Jalen Rashada would probably be the uh, biggest one. Uh, Kelby Collins of uh, 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 from Alabama as well. Uh, these, um, you know, commitments, especially within the state of Florida, a lot of IMG guys too. Um, it's uh, at least very good to see, uh, you know, this kind of impact. They definitely had uh, some misses uh, from Miami mean, would be the biggest one. Um But I would say so far it's been a good um, recruiting class so far. They still have uh, ways to go before the final uh, signing day period. Um, But it
0: looks like they're in position to add to it, especially uh, through the transfer portal. Yeah, I mean... Like we said, we we talked about it in the earlier broadcast uh, that didn't go out. But, uh, you know, there's a lot to still come in for Florida, um, a lot of transfers to shore up. And there's still the uh, official signing day period, which uh, that signing day is in February. So there's a lot to happen from here until now. Um, Florida still has several spots to fill up. Uh, we'll see then what happens and what, what the class actually ends up. Um, secondly, I wanted to talk about, um, uh, the bowl game real quick before we move on to the playoff. Uh, Florida loses 30 to three. The game was never close. Um, it's a real shame that the, the season ended the way it did. Um, but your thoughts on that game before we move on to the, the college football playoff games. I'm, I'm definitely not surprised. I mean, I knew, you know, you had all the, you know, opt-outs. You had, you know, Jack Miller making his first start. I, I They were the underdogs, and Oregon State was clearly the better team. Um, even with healthy, Oregon State would definitely, I would assume, give them a tough time and probably pull out the win. Uh, but this was... Kind of the
1: equivalent I felt like when, you know, Florida went to play Oklahoma in the Cotton Bowl in 2020. Oh, yeah. Um, there yeah. so many opt outs. You know, it, it's tough to gauge. Um, it is disappointing. Um, I was expecting, you know, at least wouldn't say expecting. I was always hoping to, you know, at least score a touchdown in it. But it's clear that they just were not, you know, ready, prepared uh, for this. They did not have, you know. Enough bullets uh, against the army of Oregon State, shall we say, in this game. Um, Oregon State clearly the better
0: team and the rightful winners. Um, but yeah, I agree. You know, three straight losses to end the year to disappointing uh, finish. So uh, for the year, yeah, for sure. And it's um, you know they had the opportunity to win the Vanderbilt and Florida State game. Where they actually were competitive in both of those games. And, you know, if they win those, they're eight and four, go to a bowl game. You know, I don't know if AR would have played then. He may not have, anyways. But, you know, potentially if he did and they won that game, they would have been nine and four. Nine and four is a completely different story than six and seven. I mean, that's nine and four is inside the top, you know, 15. At that point, so it's a real shame that the season ended the way it did, but it's not really the worst thing in the world because you know the recruiting is getting better, um, they're on the right path. Billy is getting his guys, and uh, hopefully next year and the years after that, that it'll be much more of uh, competitive and you know also with the playoff expanding. You know, twelve teams. That makes it more a lot easier for a team like Florida to get in uh, more often than not. And so, you know, this might be the next year or two, the last couple of times that Florida doesn't make the playoff because from here on out, they're more than likely going to be a nine, ten-win team, and that'll likely get you into the playoff. Okay. So, speaking of the playoff. Let's talk about these matchups. We've got two very good matchups, both next Saturday, January 31st, New Year's Eve. Um, The first matchup is TCU going up against Michigan. Just a very solid matchup between two very good teams. Um, Probably, you know, a matchup that we've all thought was possible all year. And really, TCU got lucky that they... um, didn't get voted out of the playoff, and it's great for all of us because the fact that uh TCU now has a chance to redeem themselves from that loss against K State in the Big 12 championship. Um, I like can't I like TCU in this game a lot, I like TCU's uh stubbornness, their never say die. Attitude about their games, their ability to stay, you know, right there with a team, you know, it, like the Baylor game where they needed to score late. They got the field goal team on at the last second and they kicked the field goal and they won uh, to the Texas game, which was a low scoring game to, you know, throughout the year, TCU has just shown that they know how to win. And even though, yes, they lost to Kansas State in the Big 12 championship game, they lost in overtime and they barely lost to them. You know, in the year and during the season, they uh, they actually played pretty well against Kansas State and beat them. So um, I think they're capable of beating any team in in the country. And with this Michigan team being a team that is very defensive orientated, you know, they're gonna struggle to move the ball, but I think eventually they'll be able to solve their defense and uh, take control of the game in the fourth quarter. But Ian, I wanna hear your thoughts. What do you think between this matchup? Who has the better uh, position? Who has the upper hand between these two teams? I mean, both of these teams, like you said, it, it, it's going to be a very interesting matchup because it's such a uh, clash of styles. Uh, you have a very, you know, offense, uh, high uh team of TCU. against a very, you know, old-school, uh, power-heavy defense and power-run offense, you know, to the days of the in the 90s and groshek Blackburn in the 70s and 80s. Um, to, you know, what you expect from a kind of championship-caliber Wolverines team. Um, it's going to be, you know, interesting because TCU's toughest uh, defense doing the research that they played, um, was, uh, Texas, uh, actually was the toughest defense they played all year. Um, and now you have to play, uh, Michigan, which has been, you know, hip hopping between, you know, one and two, of number one overall, they've been consistently in the top five of overall defense. Um, so now you've got to find a way to break through that against a, a season where defensively there has not been a lot of uh, adversity uh, against them uh, for TCU. Uh, but I, as I've said, you know, and we've seen all year, this team finds a way to win. If somehow, some way they find a rabbit in the hat and they'll pull it out. Um,
1: but it's going to be interesting now because Michigan... Have a very suffocating uh, defense, and they have had um, some games where they've slept on uh, Maryland and Illinois coming particularly coming in. Uh, But for Michigan, um, the defense is going to be what's key and able to kind of stop these uh, home run plays that we've seen TCU have so much of the year is that if they can prevent the big play and getting pressure max target, I mean, that's going to help, but it's really going to come down to the secondary uh, because the pressure can only do so much. And We've seen that uh, east calm under the pocket, even under the pressure. Um, it's up to the secondary to find a way to get the ball uh, deflected or batted down or find a way to you know prevent it get into the hands of any of the TCU wide receivers. For Michigan's off offense, um, obviously very run-oriented. Um, they have the best rushing attack, one of the best rushing attacks in the country, and uh, hopefully Blake Horn will be healthy, I still say he's the best running back in the country, but Edwards is not a bad uh, uh, replacement at all, Uh, did a very good job in the games he's been in, Uh, had a great game against Ohio State, Um, and that's one in particular too, that Ohio State did a very good job of, you know, gashing to the outside uh, line. And coming in, and we'll see if they can be able to control the line of scrimmage. If so Michigan can control the line of scrimmage; they're going to be running up and down the field, no problem, all game. Uh, so, it might be necessary for TCU to find a way to make the most of every possession they have.
0: Yeah, and I, I think they're capable. You know, obviously, with, um, you know, the bevy of wide receivers that they have that are very speedy and uh you know they'll take advantage of the situation that arises I think that Michigan's defense you know is capable but I still think TCU um has the ability to take advantage of that defense and uh like I said you know earlier when we did the earlier broadcast that you know it It just feels like TCU um, will take advantage of it because um, the fact that they lost that Kansas State game. And just like I'll say with the Ohio State team as well, losing these last games before this probably helps them more than anything else. I think... You know, winning always like hides your weaknesses. So you know, teams that go undefeated for a very long time, they're they're willing to overlook their weaknesses uh, when it comes to uh, what they're doing to win. Um, the teams that lose have to really look in amongst themselves and say, "What are we doing wrong? What can we fix?" And I think. TCU and Ohio State uh, together took this time from, you know, the last several weeks working on what will make them better. I think TCU obviously needs to do a better job defensively, and I think that'll be key in this game if that they can actually get some stops, which I think Michigan's offense is weak enough that TCU can make enough stops. And I think that'll be probably the biggest difference in that game is because TCU has the offensive firepower to overcome Michigan's defense, but I don't think Michigan's offense has enough offensive power as far as passing attack. They can run the ball, yes. Blake Corum and uh, Edwards are amazing uh, or Davidson. Is it Davidson? Uh, Edwards and uh, Coram. Edwards. Okay, okay. Edwards and Coram, both are amazing running backs. And it's 50-50 right now if Coram's going to play. But regardless, Edwards is a very strong running back, and he can take up the ball if need be. But I don't think J.J. Uh, McCarthy is that capable of a passing quarterback. He's average at best. He had a great day against Ohio State, but I think it was largely to do with uh, Ohio State's stubbornness to play man against him. For whatever reason, um, they put probably should have played zone because if they played zone, they would have put him in a position to have to uh, um, play – the receivers open. And I think because the man coverage was falling down so much that uh, Michigan was able to get open. But I don't know. I just, I don't, I I don't think that highly of McCarthy. I think that he is their uh, weakest link on the team. And I think that TCU can take advantage of that if they can get pressure, um, force him into mistakes. Um, that uh, then they could take advantage on offense. Okay, anything else from this game before we move on to the next game? Uh, not hit
1: all the nails on the head
0: there. Okay, cool. All right, so next game, Ohio State-Georgia. I have been hoping that Ohio State would play Georgia all year. This has been the, the two most complete teams in the entire country. There's no other two teams in the entire country that have both sides of the ball as good as both of these teams perform on that. So I'm so glad that Georgia has to go up against this team because it's a finally someone that can compete with them. And I feel that Ohio State can largely to do with, after looking at the... The uh, statistical rankings for both both teams—they're pretty even all along every stretch of the imagination, from passing attack to rushing attack to rushing defense and passing defense. But except for one, passing defense. Sorry, that's where there's a difference. Uh, Ohio State is the 16th best passing defense. While Georgia is the 51st passing defense. And that's where there is trouble for Georgia. Because they will struggle to stop C.J. Stroud through the air. Uh, That will give Ohio State the advantage there. And they will be able to put up points early. Now, if they put up points early, I'm thinking that Stetson Bennett is then forced into making more mistakes than Georgia would like because they're going to have to play from behind. And if they're playing from behind, then that plays right into Ohio State's hand. I think what's likely to happen is Stetson Bennett is going to throw at least a pick or two in this game. More than likely two because I think they're going to be behind and they're going to have to pass to come back at it. They don't normally play from behind because normally they have at least a touchdown or two lead and they can just run the ball on teams and they don't have to put Stetson Bennett into uh, – noticeable and uh, obvious passing downs. Now with them behind in the game, they're going to have to pass more often. And that puts a lot more pressure on that offense and sets and Bennett. I think in this case, Ohio state's going to take advantage. I think their defense is solid enough to be able to make, to uh, make Bennett have a terrible game. The, The only real thing that might make a difference in the beginning of this game will be if George is able to run the ball super effectively, but I don't think that's going to be that big of a deal because Ohio State has overall one of the best defenses and the 23rd best rushing defense. So I think Ohio State is going to be able to put them in check. Much like what Ohio State did in the Michigan game early, they had the running attack in check. It wasn't until later in the game when uh, Michigan started passing the ball really well that the running attack started taking off when they got big chunks later in that game. But like I said earlier, I feel that Ohio State losing that game to Michigan was probably the best thing for them because not only did they not have to play in the Big Ten championship, but then they got to get healthy and, get ready, and figure out what was wrong in that game. I think over the next several weeks that Ohio State game plan this as best they can to be able to beat this Georgia team, and I think they will be able to do it. Ian, give me your thoughts on this game. I'd really like to know who you think is uh, is the better uh, prepared for this game.
1: I, think, I agree with you, but mostly these teams are very even. Um, it's just play calling wise. They are very different. Um, Georgia has. I, I still believe, uh, regardless of you know ranking statistics and all that, the best defense in the country. And we have seen them swallow up against elite offense uh, offenses this year and years past. You know they shut down Tennessee um, and Hendon Hooker. They uh, now looking back on it did an amazing job against Oregon uh, at the beginning of the year. They have, obviously, you know, slipped in a few games. They didn't look good against Missouri. They weren't looking too good against Kentucky. Um, and uh, against uh, Kent State, you know, it was a bit, you know, fuzzy at times. But Georgia, it's like a machine with them right now. They just have this, like, script of how to engineer the win. Um, you know, you know, in terms of play calling, you know, when the defense comes up, uh, and then, you know, when the uh, offense needs to be a big play. They've done a good job of that, too, is that you see them, you know, wear teams out. Similar to what you mentioned, now, obviously, they can do that, too. Um, they can wear a team down for um, most of the game. Um, and then um, once, the, you know, they're tired, that's when they impact and um, kind of break the line for them. For Ohio State, you know, they have the uh, C.J. Stroud... Uh, great receiving core, And this is easily the best offense Georgia will play. Um and in Hunker, um in Tennessee definitely have the most prolific, but I think in terms of most like complete and like pro ready team, it's Ohio State. So it's gonna be up to Georgia to find a way, you know, to stop these playmakers um uh, from getting open. Um but as we saw with you know the game against Michigan and I, I mentioned this too that, that game against Michigan, uh, Michigan flat out beat them, but Ohio State did a very good job of beating themselves as well. So Ohio State had to find a way to limit the mistakes, and especially for Z.J. Stroud, don't be Superman every play. Just make the right play, because Georgia is like salivating at any chance of a turnover, and they will capitalize on it. Uh, like, they score so many points off the defense. It, it, it is insane and I will always give uh, a shorter field for the offense and for the offense you have Kenny McIntosh running back um, and what I think the play calling will be is that and we've seen it all year um, with Georgia is that Stenson Bennett and Kenny McIntosh attack um, where they will get you know positive yards they, the main thing is that they need to find a way to get you know, three four yards uh, per play to make it where it's at least third or second manful second or third goal so that it's easier to convert on those short passing plays. Because I think that's what's going to happen is that, you know, they're going to call a very high percentage quick passing plays for Bennett, and then they're going to have uh, Macintosh, who we've seen all year, you know, get nothing but positive yards. For that, it's up to Ohio State's defense. They do a good job of preventing big play, uh, especially through the air. But they got to find a way to, you know, find, just stop Georgia from getting more than two, three, four yards per carry, because if they're giving up four, five, six yards on the ground or a pass, yeah, you're not giving up the first down, but you are making it a lot easier for Georgia. And with that, too, we've seen Georgia just have these drives where they just refuse to go off the field, and the defense cannot find a way to stop the Bulldogs. So it's going to be up for Ohio State to maybe find a way to you know, take advantage of those turnovers very few that there may be of Georgia. So a lot of teams like uh, Tennessee, uh, for example, didn't capitalize on the opportunities Georgia gave and Missouri as well. Uh, So it's going to be, really, I think it's going to come down to what team takes advantage of the other teams' best First, Yeah, they blink, but who's going to be able to, you know, get the punch in while they blink?
0: Yeah, and, you know, I... um... I don't know. I just feel very strongly about this Ohio State team. Um, I've, like I've said all year, I just feel like they will give the best um, matchup against Georgia. And I feel that they are the best team and the most likely team to beat them. I don't think TCU or Michigan match up that well against Georgia. I think Georgia would beat either one of those teams. Um, so I think really this is the championship, essentially. Um, so uh, with that being said, let's go to our predictions. And we did our predictions earlier, so this will be a little bit easier. But, Ian, do you want to stick with your predictions from earlier? Uh, I'm still sticking with uh, my predictions. I have, uh, at least from Michigan, TCU. I think TCU went coming up once again on a big play. I think they went 31 to thirty. And I think Georgia's uh, methodical offense uh, eats up the top of possession, and Ohio State just can't get enough plays off. I'm going to go with the Bulldogs out 20-30 to 20. Okay, so for the TCU-Michigan game, I feel like TCU is going to uh, take control of the game in the fourth quarter, and they're going to win by, like, 11 points. And I'm going to say they're going to win 35-24. And then for the Ohio State-Georgia game, I'm going to say it's probably going to be Ohio State in the lead most of the game, and I feel that they'll eventually wear them down. And uh, Georgia is going to have to is Georgia's going to have to pass, or rely on the pass more to try to score. And I think that Ohio State's going to take advantage of that and force Stetson Bennett into making mistakes, and thus I've, I have Ohio State winning thirty two to twenty four. Okay. That's our predictions. The game is coming up next week on New Year's Eve. This weekend is Christmas. Merry Christmas, everyone. So but before we go, we're going to give our socials and everything. So you can reach us at haterradio.com. You can reach us at hater underscore radio on Twitter and Instagram. And you can also reach us at haterradio1 at gmail.com as far as uh, email um, we will have articles on haterradio.com uh, regarding the CFP coming up in the next couple of days uh, look forward to those uh, Ian what are your socials before we go
1: yes uh g on youtube and g underscore Gator double underscore g on instagram
0: alright that's the show everyone look forward to these games and Merry Christmas everyone